0: Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. Today we're sitting down with Coffee Jesus, one of the co-hosts of the Twin Humanities podcast. Coffee Jesus is a fabulous person and a personal hero of mine, and today we're going to learn all about how he came to the Soul Series. Hello, CJ, how
1: are you? I'm good, thank you, sir, and your good self over in the Americas.
0: I'm doing fantastic. Um, this is a pretty significant time difference, right? Like you're like eight or nine hours ahead of me, so it's very late o'clock over there, if I had to guess. It's uh, it's it's
1: one minute past ten
0: p.m. that's not too bad that's not too bad I don't know what your normal bedtime is I'm an old man so it's about 8.30pm I'm gonna get in bed (laughs) so I'm keeping you up at this point (laughs) yeah exactly it's 4 o'clock I need to have dinner and I need to be in bed in another hour and a half so so I can do my crossword and then they go to bed Martha Um, get get my porridge put it in the mixer and dribble it into my nostrils it's time to go to bed I need to put my Vicks Vapor Rub on, so I'm not going to, you know, snore a lot while I'm sleeping.
1: We won't turn this into a pornographic podcast. <laughs> it's, it's it's getting a little hot in here. I don't know about you. I take warm. off all my clothes.
0: <laughs> it's kind of weird interviewing somebody like yourself, um, and I'm going to have the same issue with a couple. Are of you insulting people that I'm me again. Them. No, not at all. It's but you have such a huge body of work in the form of Twin Humanities that explains all of this. Like it just seems like we're and ground, no, but I, I kind of like. I think there's
1: always crossover between kind of folks that've listened and folks that don't, and I know that um, you know we we grew around um, not just the Souls community but the UK podcast community, and then there were intersections from there, and there's there's always people that 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 haven't that are maybe finding you for the first time, which is. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm going to get right into it and ask you, mm. uh, what was your first modern day From Software game?
1: Modern day From Software game, I think, was um, Demon Souls. Because uh, de- I, I, um, I looked long and hard at a few that were uh, that were on the GameCube and never picked them up. Um, didn't really do PS2 back in the day, um, and I'm sure I. Briefly picked up Ninja Blade um, a little well, while afterwards just because with it was a name was like from Ninja somewhere.
0: Blade. How, how are you going to miss it? I know. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, that it's was two of another my favorite one of those things right there I, in the title.
1: <laughs> I didn't really get that far into it, but I kind of wanted it for the shelf because it was from. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was Demon Souls. Um, I think I read and commented a little bit on N4G at that stage. Um, uh, so it was. Yeah, it was 2009, I think it came out in Japan, um, and there were articles on there linking to a game that was suddenly blown wide open in Asia. Uh, decent enough reviews, but nothing spectacular, uh, but word of mouth had the game selling out. Uh, in the comments below these articles, folks were asking uh, one of the commenters who had the game uh, what they thought about it. Most of the people there had either gotten the impression that it was rubbish, or that there was a... This kind of slow burn of curiosity that was uh, that was building up, um, I saw. I eventually saw a review on uh, Classic Game Room, and I think that's the point, first point that I properly associated with um, just what was cracking off, and that I had to have it
0: and did you um on your first run or your first experience with the game a lot of things that i hear from people is that they they put the disc in and they just almost immediately bounced off of it because the games are just so dramatically different than anything than than your normal action game like so so you you just clicked immediately you were all in on from the word jump I, i i had a significant investment in this
1: in that um i ordered the opening week of the american release um i imported i think from a canadian site uh go
0: maples, is that a thing? I don't know. Um I think you'd have to ask the Canucks. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> They're your colonies, CJ. I, d- I don't have anything I d- to do I with don't those know. guys. <laughs> go go the white leaf. Um we're probably insulting all of the Canadians right now. <laughs> Apologize to all the Canadians out there, not bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I uh yeah, I ordered the special edition. Um so I, I feared import charges. Uh but thankfully avoided them, so it's the one um, I've got my source collection behind me, so Foley, here we go it's got card stuck well this kind of thick card cover and it's got um, it's embossed, and rather than having the, the, the blue sort of logo that was on uh, the regular edition, it's got this sort of duck knight as he is um, propped up against the corner, undoubtedly dead and there's the game, which has got the blue cover bit, and then there's uh, they actually put a, a mini guide in there as well. Um, so uh, as if Atlas were fearing that people might bounce off it, mm-hmm. there was, there's quite a decent amount in there with um, with rings and armors and all that kind of stuff. So having spent that amount of money, I decided that the game was for me in the first place, and that um, I don't know the investment was there, I guess. But um, both financially and emotionally. But as soon as I put it on, it was I had this really bizarre saying in my head uh, because I I became fascinated with the mechanics of it, and I'm sure it was what's it? It was something like I called it something like physics maths. Or something when I was trying physics it, maths. I, yeah, it just entered my entered entered my head at a certain point. I was like, yeah, it's physics maths. Where I, I was sort of trying to balance, like, um, if uh, if I swing my sword, I can I can hit this guy, but if I swing it again, I leave myself vulnerable. If I put up a shield, I can take a little knock to my stamina, but then I can I can kind of throw maybe one hit, maybe two from there, and I have to get out of the way. If I can lure an en- enemy into jumping at me his momentum will hit my thrust I'll do more damage and I just became fascinated with it um, and I don't think I'd, I'd quite connected my childhood adoration of Ray Harryhausen films to Demon Souls at this point but I think that came with World 4 1 which is very sort of uh, Jason and the Argonauts with the, uh, the
0: Skellies and stuff uh, Stranger in a strange place. Like this is this area just seems hostile and weird and dead and I have no idea why I'm what I'm doing here or why, but I ha- I know I have to go through it kind of.
1: Yeah, there's I just I just fell into it. Um and it became it uh, it was on my mind all through the day. Um I'd go home and I'd play it and the sound was so <laughs> so uh I don't know, all encompassing in, in of itself that I'd turn the telly right the way up and you'd be hearing like the <sighs> you know that um like <laughs> the I, ambient noise yeah, yeah absolutely i once I once described it in a song in a form of life as uh the gentle rumble non sound of absolutely no one around, and you know that kind of that just drifty rumble in the background um and just waiting for to hear like a or something around the corner. And I, I, I don't know. They talk about virtual reality now. There was nothing else in the room when I was looking at that game.
0: It's just like I tuned. Um, but yeah, I, I, I obsessed over it. And, and and Demons is quite scary too, especially compared to... I find it to be the scariest out of all of the games. Um, when you start looking at worlds like... you know, Like World 3 is probably very terrifying for a lot of people. Especially it was for me. So I can imagine if you're in a dark room volume cranked up all by yourself like listening actively listening to the game like that had to be kind of spooky and scary i think the spookiest thing in that
1: regard was uh connected to to world three the um the the bells that go off with the kind of octopus men people that that um that go through the level Mm -hmm. um the guitarist in my band at the time had gotten an iphone and we were waiting to start a gig and everybody was sort of uh, sitting around tables and having a drink and she got a text and the text tone was a bell. And there was a part of me which was completely irrational that just, it's like somebody just smashed a panic <laughs> button in my head and just went like, what, what, what? This is kind of like reality and games kind of uh, having a having a train crash. It was, it was the equivalent of crash mode in burnout
0: <laughs> but with like people <laughs> slowing down around me and my brain going like
1: no <laughs> um,
0: but yeah what was that... the uh, what was the experience like playing Demon Souls with probably very little online support at the time when I say online support I mean like it's not like nowadays you can go type something into Google and get an answer back immediately like even when it was released in America it was still kind of mysterious like they hadn't had the wikis as fully developed like things were kind of Weird and inscrutable. Like, was that was that bizarre playing it? Like, were you actively looking stuff up on the internet, or were you trying to figure it out yourself, or how, how did you approach it?
1: I wasn't. I wasn't looking it up at all. Um, I know that the first point where um, someone invaded, it felt as if somebody had just kicked the door in. It. It felt. I mean, that that mechanic has obviously become really, really influential on uh, games afterwards, and particularly in this this generation as well this new gen um, back then it just it it really really shocked me and um, I don't know it's this real this real feeling of kind of jeopardy and terror that I, I, I loved you know you were saying about um, the horror aspects of the games I loved you know your Resident Evils and stuff when I was a, a little bit younger but I don't know there was there was something about a real person breaking into my game to try and kill me which freaked me out, and then I, you know, when I did, when I did see stuff on the net, it was all about oh, I had somebody that uh, that broke into my game, and I couldn't find them, and they were they were hiding from me and stalking me the entire level, waiting for the point where they were going to get me. So they weren't even sort of making a beeline for me; they were just watching to see what I'd do, um, <laughs> and sort of you know. And I don't know. There's, there was this steady coming together of, of people who almost like had a need for one another because they had nowhere else to go their real life friends had left them because they were talking <laughs> about this game that, that might not even have been out in their their territories yet but um, I think Mike McWhirter on Kotaku at the time would talk about it every opportunity he could um, was very passionate about it in the the game of the year um, talk on Kotaku at the time. I think it managed to share it managed to snare um RPG of the year at GameSpot and there was a really good um good piece from from them on. It might have even been Game of the Year. I don't know. Um but there was some really intriguing and passionate videos there, but um I don't know. It was oh you'd also got the thing with uh, with Atlas at that point where they were doing stuff with uh
0: world tendency
1: with special events,
0: mm-hmm. where, like for Valentine's Day or for Christmas or for Halloween or something.
1: Yeah, and that was really cool because a lot of the time, if there were there were points where you know I'd gotten stuck, if they were doing, say, I don't know uh, Valentine's Day, I think was that was a vote, and I think people voted that to turn the world black, but um, I think Christmas Day was white, and you know going to a level that you you previously been stuck on and knowing that. It was a little bit easier, or if you going to grind for souls and the worlds have been had been turned black and you were getting more souls from them, they were really quirky and really cool and whilst um world tendency was a bit strange to fathom uh things like that were great, and I wish they'd they'd bring those back in. I'm surprised that's not turned up in something like destiny because it seems like a great way to keep your fan base
0: there while you know you're you're working
1: on bigger stuff but
0: Yes. Yeah, I could see that easily working for a game like Destiny or The Division, where you mm. you want to have players to keep coming back on a regular basis. Like, I mean, the, the whole goal for Destiny is like, no, we want them to come back every day and and keep playing all these daily missions. Well, like, you know, do something to make that interesting mm. for me. Like, make the world change based on my actions or based on the actions of all of my crew. I think that would be. It, it's weird the lessons that video games have taken away from Demon Souls and Dark Souls, and it's weird what they have not. <clears throat> um, and like, we're just now seeing. Demons was in 2009, so here we are seven, eight years later. We're just now seeing like realistic Dark Souls clones. When I say realistic, I mean like actual games that have substance to them that take mm. inspiration from them that are good. Like we, we've, we've yet to see like one. Like I think the very first one is Saint Salt and Sanctuary, and we'll see what the rest of them that are coming out the rest of this year would be like, but mm. Lords of the Fallen completely missed it. Salt and Sanctuary nails it, but isn't quite awesome, but it doesn't do you know they have a pvp thing but it's all local like it's just weird the lessons that it takes from from these games
1: <clears throat> i mean i mentioned earlier that the the, the game that's reminded me the most of, uh, of demon souls at the minute with regards to risk and reward and the amount of jeopardy in there is um uh, stranger of sword city which is on xbox 1 now with an 8 hour trial uh, it's on vita at the end of april and it's coming to F- pc later but that's I don't know. That's given me big time Demon's Souls vibe. But I, I, I got into dungeon crawlers like that through the DS with things like Etrian Odyssey and Dark Spire and um, mm-hmm. Shin Megami Tensei: Strange Journey. So it's it's kind of nice to be back into those. But that's yeah, that's given me a, a, a big time Demon's feel. I must admit, and quite an old school From feel from uh,
0: little things like that I've seen, like uh, like Shadow Tower and stuff. So. So after uh, after Demons, obviously hmm. Dark Souls One was released. Were you? Um, I've only experienced a couple of Dark Souls games, like on release. Um, hmm. Were you? Was the hype as big as it is now? I can't imagine it would have been, given the huge surge in popularity with Dark Souls One. But like, what was it like waiting for Dark Souls One and seeing those trailers and things? Were you hyped up about it? Were you kind of way off into it, or where, where were you at that time?
1: I remember when uh, the Project Dark trailer hit um which was the before it became dark souls um and remember going like oh and you know reading that oh you know this was a spiritual sequel and they were doing it away from sony and um i don't know that was that was one of those where it kind of set the 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 tummy bunnies are jumping um <laughs> and I, I don't know it's i i don't remember much of the build up to um to To dark souls, other than there were more people with three sixties that were suddenly joining in demon souls conversations and who he got he'd looked at dark souls and maybe looked at demon souls at certain points as well um and just thought mm, i'm I'm curious about this um so yeah it was a it's a quirky one but i i took the week off when it was launched um and even though sort of Wikipedia says that uh, it was a, the EU was October the 30th and that uh, the US was October the 4th, I'm really sure that's not the case. Uh, I think it was the, the, the same week as the, as the US, just on a Friday rather than a Tuesday. Um, hmm. But I, as I remember it, America had the game in a metal tin, which is one of the things that I, I really haven't got with um, with Dark Souls. And Igni. just came in a cardboard
0: box. Try not to judge us. <laughs> so, so, countries are so poor over there. You can't help it. You can only get so much what you want. When we're hoarding all the wealth in America now, like you just you can't help it. You're going you can't afford ten free video games.
1: <laughs> I do remember sort of there was something about you know when times of the year intersect with the game that you're playing. Like um, absolutely, mm-hmm. I remember bouncing off Fallout Three when it when it first came out and then there was a certain point where i was out of work i couldn't afford to eat the flat i was hiding under a duvet on the on the couch like it was the middle of winter dark outside suddenly Fallout 3 just uber clicked with me um, and i associate that that click with um, the time of year and it being cold and stuff and there was something about the the october chill that matched dark souls perfectly you know the the again the air and the feel of laudron um i remember thinking this you know the the bridge away from undead parish i like you can go down one way to see andre mm-hmm. um or you can sort of go past those three skellies and then up a little flight of stairs and there's a kind of very thin bridge near loads of trees and you come to a boulder night a single boulder night like i remember thinking it like that when i where, where i heard the uh sort of in the air and I was sort of a bit, a bit chilly on the couch and stuff and just thinking like
0: oh this is magical um, <laughs> like I mean did you feel like you were there yeah
1: it was, it was just I don't know um, again it's so people can push uh, virtual reality all they want but that little kind of tickle of the real then impacting back into the game and there being this,
0: this connection between the two was, was, was kind of cool so, I had a moment in, in Dark Souls 1 when I was in the burg, and um, I don't remember what I was doing, but I think I was maybe waiting for somebody to summon me, or I was waiting to invade, or something with multiplayer, because I was basically just sitting there looking at my phone, hmm. waiting for something to happen. On and, But I was at that first bonfire in the burg, and um, for whatever reason, I had the volume cranked way up. And as I... Was sitting there and like I said, just stared at my phone. I you could hear like something in the background, and if you crank it up, you can actually like kind of hear people whistling or maybe like okay. breathing. Yeah, yeah. And it freaked me out. And I live in the country. Like I live in the middle of the woods. I have two acres all by myself out here. Mm. <laughs> like it's just and there's no street lights. There's no lights out here. Like it's dark. All of a sudden, I hear this weird noise. Like that. God, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it, man and I was I was, oh man it freaked me out so bad and I wasn't even playing the game like I was literally waiting for something to happen mm-hmm. <laughs> still freaked me out I uh, mean with it's, it, it's weird with that um, that first playthrough that,
1: that I had of, um, of Dark Souls I mean I, I, I've made tons of mistakes and I say that in inverted commas but it was my best playthrough uh, I got an early drop of the Black Knight Greatsword and in order to wield it, I did so many laps of Undead you'd think I was being sponsored. <laughs> um, and, and and so it took me ages to be able to do it, but it became almost like a bit of a butter knife after that, because I was just like, ha-la-la-la-la, la, la, like carving through like people and levels and stuff thereafter. Um, and um, I don't know, running through... Uh it might have been yeah, it might have been getting a divine weapon that uh or needing a divine weapon that stopped me doing it or stopped me in my tracks. Uh and running through those skeletons just wasn't a thought in my head. But neither was the Drake's sword for that matter, shooting the Drake's tail hundred and twenty
0: times, why would he ever do that? I didn't know why, about it. Why would anybody ever do that? Like why would <laughs> it doesn't I mean, make any sense whatsoever. I mean it was only with the uh, Epic
1: Name Bros vids that we found this stuff out. And that was afterwards. Um, that was after I completed sort of my main game. You know, I, why would I think that one of the best strength weapons in the game was at the first merchant? Why the chuff would I buy a club? <laughs> um, I mean, I had no idea what humanity was and thought that dark souls had missed a trick with there being seemingly being no penalty for being hollow in the same ways there was in demon souls. Um, I just thought that, you know, I, I had, well, I I suppose I had no idea that I couldn't see signs on the ground, particularly NPCs, when I was hollow. I just got on with it, and I—I I doubt I could play
0: now as well as I did on that playthrough, knowing nothing. Emb um, because did now a... you'd be you'd be trying to game the system, like you'd be trying to actively work for something, and not, instead of just trusting your instincts and going straight through it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I know those systems sort of pretty well now, and. You know, you can look for summon signs on the ground. And whilst there's been odd variations through the games, I'm certainly on much more of a level playing field now. But it was only when EMB started to do a few lore pieces, and then I started looking at a story in a way that I hadn't thought of in my own playthrough. I was pretty much just loving the enemy, the environments, the atmosphere, as I had with Demon Souls. Um, Vati started putting out vids, sought out a few other people like
0: Quillac, was it? With her late night discussions with pen and paper explanations. Um Can you believe that I only just found her YouTube channel? Um, like like at the end of twenty fifteen? I had no idea I had no idea she existed until um I don't even remember what happened. I think there was some sort of weird controversy where and something and her name got popped up and I was like, who is this? I've never heard of this person. And they went back to watch all of her vids and they were great. I would have loved to seen them like back when I was playing Dark Souls 1 eight there hours was, a day.
1: There was something of um, almost like an, an old uh, 1920s or 1940s hiding from the Germans like war bunker explanation about the, the the stuff that I saw with like a single light and a hiding under a cover and just like pointing at a piece of lined paper and these drawings that she'd done and telling her stories it was great, um, but yeah then then you got sort of big day clients started doing stuff Terramantis, Sunlight Blade did the PVP stuff um, and everything just started to grow. People finding out new stuff all the time, having fresh takes. All of us were jabbering, and the fan base became visible. People started trying the game. Discounts kicked in. Journos used dry times in the industry to give it a go. And somehow it stayed in the public eye, even if that was under that misleading banner of brutally difficult game. Um, yeah, I think, the,
0: I think the big turning point was after... The game had been out. They announced DLC, which nobody expected to happen, and then they made a, did a big announcement that there was going to be a PC version. And I be- really, I strongly believe that that PC version. And I'm not a PC gamer at all. Hmm. I used to be, but I really believe that that's what kind of cemented Dark Souls and the and kind of the I don't know what word like the zeitgeist. Basically, like all of a sudden, mm-hmm. all of these guys, all these people that didn't have consoles could play this game and. Experience it the way we would have experienced it, but had all of this information available. And like it, with the PC version, you could do crazy stuff, with all the weird mods and all of the weird, like you know, data dumping and tracking that you can do. Like Mm. I really think that that kind of sealed it about a year later. And plus, you know, the PC version got the, um, the DLC first because it it came out on consoles months later. And
1: to go back to Foley as well
0: it got a retail release over here
1: and I don't think it it did in the States did it
0: it did not yeah, we didn't
1: get a retail um, it was which I ended up buying again um, it came with uh, a an art book a poster um, soundtrack making of DVD five exclusive postcards Um
0: yeah and that sweet cover too, man. That cover of uh, that collector's edition of with Artorius there is just amazing looking. I love that cover so much. But
1: then again, later we got um, a retail versions of the because that was the no that was the that was the Prepare to Die edition. I think they called it the Artorius of the Abyss edition or Artorius of the, the the Abyss DLC, wasn't it? And then mm-hmm. um, Prepare yeah, to Die edition Because <clears throat> we, um, we got Prepare to Die editions On console at retail as well I don't think America did
0: Now we still um, Even the digital version That's now backwards compatible On mm. the Xbox One is still just the base game like, I don't think yeah, that sadly. includes the DLC Unless you um, have it Unless you have purchased it So um, and, I've got, th- and the I've PS3 never in. got a digital version Which I couldn't believe Really? no there's no you could or only have the physical version or yeah because there's a there's like a full store version like a digital version of Demon Souls because mm. that was on PS Plus way back when but um, no there's never been a digital version oh, right. of they... Dark Souls 1 on the PS3 because they did um, they also did this was
1: ages after Dark Souls uh, came out as well there was one store in the UK that did um, a Steelbook edition which is absolutely beautiful um I remember seeing the screenshots of that. Yeah. It's it's now going for a fortune and I'm sure it was stupendously cheap at the time. Mm-hmm. But I remember absolutely stumbling upon it and just going like, "What? Why?" Because this was this was ages after um the game had come out. Um and it is a UK retailer that that does a lot of movie steelbooks as well. But um it's going for a lot of money now and it is very very pretty.
0: So, thing. I want to take us into Dark Souls 2. and uh, Yes. Be- before you talk, I want to say something to you that I don't think I've ever had the chance to yet. Um, okay. I was... When I played Dark Souls 2 for the first time, I really enjoyed that game. I put hundreds of hours into it. But I came out of it not liking it as much as Dark Souls 1. Mm-hmm. And this, it's mainly because of PvP stuff. Like, I have my own preferences with those things, and I'm not going to get into those details. But um, going back to it, after hearing you talk about it on the Twin Humanities podcast, um, and specifically with Scholar, but I think you were mm. talking about it before then as well, you have totally turned my mind around on that game. Um, the The emotion that you've expressed in, with that game, with and the stories that you tell, that, that and the the things that you have, the way that you have explained that that game has made you feel, changed the way that I played that game at, when the Scholar, of the first Scholar of the First Sin edition, came out on PS4. And I wasn't even planning on buying that edition because Bloodborne had just come out on PS4. Mm. So I was like, well, why would I ever go back to Dark Souls 2? Like, I'm finished with that game. I played all the DLC. I'm done with it. I don't need this remix 60 frames per second. I'm not much of a graphics guy. But hearing you talk about how emotionally resonant it is with you and to a to an extent as well, Gary and Cole on the Bonfire Side Chat podcast talking about it. Again, the, the, I'm trying to say this is a compliment. It's not coming out very well, CJ. No, no, <laughs> so I'm, no, I'm it's sorry. Come, it, it is it's coming across a lot time. I'm really. It's con- yeah. You you think. have you, and I think that I don't think that I'm the only person. Um, I've, I've heard several people in the community say, um, refer to you specifically when they talk about Dark Souls Two. About when they try to explain why that game is good or why they like it to somebody who may be detracting it. They always they always go back to CJ at Twin Humanities. So, I what was. All of that said, and that's kind of towards the end of that game, I think. But mm. what was what was your hype level getting into that? Like, were you after Dark Souls one, after Demon Souls? Were you, you were you pre-ordered? You were ready to go. You were you were as hype as you've ever been. What, what was what was kind of your mindset at that point in time?
1: There was well from the from the start. There was um, we started to get more of a. Um, a level of promotion and hype than we'd had with the with the previous games. I think that constant buzz and build that had happened with with Dark Souls had achieved decent sales. I think it had done about was it about two and a half million at that point. Um, That's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So so Bamco had obviously sort of invested quite a bit in it, and I remember the promotion at that time was actually pretty good. They showed the uh, the guy playing the sorry making the fram armor. They got little bits of him uh, across the world and across London and stuff. You, there was the IGN reveal where you got the original lighting engine and they were showing off various bits. And it was a it was a constant drip feed. But every time you saw new information, it was it was great. Oh my god! There was um, there was the it, thing that it was the a
0: su- a surprise trailer is what I always go back to. Like when, uh, I don't, whatever TV show that Jeff Keeley was doing at the time, right? On Spike TV, yeah. um, the video game awards or whatever. Like, there was yeah. a total, like, nobody expected Dark Souls 2, and then all of a sudden there was a trailer for it. It was nuts. I woke up
1: on the Sunday morning after that <laughs> to a piece on Twitter which just said, Dark Souls 2, son, Dark Souls 2. And it <laughs> wasn't even from my dad. Um, it was, and I was like, what? And I don't know. There was this real feeling that it was still quite a, a niche title and that um, those awards were, you know, big, bright Hollywood and um even though it was only setting the scene and stuff, there was enough there to make me go like <gasps> And so yeah, I was I was very, very excited for that. Um I I got I got my orders in certainly, as you'd imagine. Um I was I was writing for a, a site called Plus XP at the time and uh, managed to get a visit to Namco to play it. Um, this meant uh, attempting to get to a 2am coach to London, uh, missing it, having to pay again for one uh, around 5am, and this one had a banging toilet door. I'm not, by that I mean it kept slamming,
0: not like... That's a really good toilet door. Yeah, that's, that's, it's um, got a good bass drop to it, a good hi-hat. That's a, and the, toilet and the, door is banging. And the toilet stank.
1: So I kind of curled up, tried to ignore the Pong, drifted into music. I, I, I don't know London. I am much more of a Manchester lad. And the huge level of the unknown of going down on my own scared me. Um, I found my way to the underground, I had no idea what to do, where to go, which line to follow. All the while, commuters were swimming past me like sweary-tutting fish. Um, I found the right tube train, sort of just realised I was holding my breath a lot. Um, counting off the stops, knowing I'd be, I'd be cutting it fine for this 10am appointment that we got. Um, as I left the tube station, it was blowing a gale, like smashing it down with rain and then hail Um, I remember it felt like a baptism. (laughs) I had to die to get there or something. And just before, like, the Namco building, there was a kind of Undegbergish-like church just on the corner. (laughs) I was like, ooh, this is some, you know, uh, time is timey-wimey, as uh, the bonfire side chap would see. So, yeah, I got into into Bamco. There was a rather nice gentleman called Edwin, um, coffee and biscuits, uh, headphones on and... I was just exploring everything and not racing away like because there were a few other people from enthusiast sites that were there. And but I was just drinking in every rock, every bit of landscape, every brush of grass. Um, (laughs) And when I got to to Medulla, I genuinely had to try not to blub. My eyes watered up. I got lump in my throat. I had headphones on, like quite high quality headphones, so there's a good chance to let out one of those like Ooh! noises I can make <laughs> when my lips starts to tremble. Um so and yeah, I just um I don't know. I I connected with those early moments. Um the original version of Dark Souls Two entertained me, but I wouldn't say that it was um it had clicked with me as much as Uh, as dark souls at that point but there were there were instances after where i I started falling down the rabbit hole in in a a a few different regards and i don't know it's a a wonderful wonderful steady burn i guess
0: it really is and then having the dlc come out after the vanilla game did and a three-month period like every month was a new dlc that was you know Anywhere from six to eight hours. That that just blew me away. Like the the, the amount of work and effort and energy that must have gone into produce that game. And I know it had some troubled history, and I'm not going to go into all of that. But to produce those DLCs specifically and to get them out on time and in a ready fashion, it just really shocked me. And boy, is that DLC some of the best stuff across any of the Souls games. <clears throat> Weird thing is, though, I, I bought um,
1: uh, I bought the DLC initially but didn't really play it. Um, I'm sure I I I um I tickled into the start of one of them but Paddy hadn't got it and we were going to kind of go into it together and I don't think it, it quite synced at that point but um and in the meantime I was off playing other stuff or, you know, coping with other people and stuff and I don't know. Um Dark Souls two for me had drifted at that point. Um and then stuff started to
0: happen. So when, and I I, I kind of came into Twin Humanities late, um, so I, I picked your guys' podcast up and, and heard a lot of that. But I guess I don't quite know the history. Did you decide? Did you finally emotionally bond with that game after Bloodborne had come out and the Scholar of the First Sin release happened, or was that kind of before Bloodborne came out? Or how, what was the time frame on that? There was, um, it
1: was before before Scholar. Had uh, come out on uh, on New Gen. There were a couple of little moments that uh, that kicked in. There was um, a story I <laughs> I worry that I tell too often, but it, it is it is really important to me. And it's um, that we had uh, a listener, Neo Loki, who shared that um, his connection with Luca and that. Uh, his father his stepfather who'd been a hero to him his entire life was now struggling with Alzheimer's and can no longer remember the times that they shared together, you know, when when Neoloki was, was younger. Um and I started to realise that, you know, this was more than just the the cliche of a curse. It was um what it is to be human is the memories you make, the people that you love, the times that you spend, um those are the those are the blessings, and uh, it started to to click with me that you know this people criticised the game for the for the the lack of story. But I started to realise that Vendrick was the king that wasn't that that went to great lengths, huge atrocities um, to to peel back the human condition, the soul of the of the dragons, like crossing crossing waters to to steal an item that could infuse life into. Uh, into that which didn't live, um, in turn, starting a war which he won, um, and as we eventually came to learn with the the, the Three Crowns trilogy, that the answer was there, and he's he's a man that zigged instead of zagged, and when we when we find him, he's he's lost. Um, I started to there, there were little things that that, that happened in in Scholar later, like um, really. Clicking with uh, Shrine of Amarna, um, and I don't know the just slow little things that that I started to notice, um, and when Scholar arrived, it hit at a point not long after um, I'd been really affected by a by a burglary, and um, not only kind of the I'm I'm not. I'm not particularly close to my to my family and people that I'm close to uh in the centre have got kind of their own lives and stuff. So it was one of those those aspects where just how vulnerable I am uh and how alone I am, uh really hit home and it was there were points at work where you know, well outside if anything, kind of uh happened in the you know the car park afterwards I'd be, I'd be i'd be nervous i'd go to work and if we were busy i'd start to feel like claustrophobic and i'd like i was holding my breath and then i was putting a poker face over the top to try and not let on um and really struggling to kind of rationalize what was going on um and at this point kind of that <clears throat> that bear of the curse stuff just started getting to you yeah it's it just it it just connected it felt medulla felt homely it was it was a place that i was falling into and um i just i just got lost in this world i'm not even sure it was a a conscious thing of enjoying it in the same way as i did with demons or Dark, like being like in the zone of like oh this is great i'm really tuned to the sounds and it was a place that I found myself, which you know, kind of, kind of ties into the that opening sequence and of its in of itself. And um, even jumping back to before Scholar, there was an amazing bonfire side chat where uh, Gary and Cole were talking about the dialogue of the Scholar uh, as a as a character himself, and that I became fascinated by. Um, and a piece of wording that I got, uh, I got this. Because obviously, podcast has spoken, but I got the spelling of incorrectly um, in my head. It was it was it was talking about um, uh, breaking the yoke and um, obviously, in this case, it was Y O K. But I thought of it as <laughs> as as Y O L K. You know what came first, the chicken or the egg? Which is almost like you know the 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 cycling of the worlds, and um, and the shell of the yolk just seemed like a. <sighs>
0: I took know. it as a metaphysical yoke, not yeah. a metaphysical yoke. <laughs>
1: the, the, the the shell of the yoke almost seemed like a contradiction. And, you know, like there's the, there's the world on the outside and there's the world that's, that's inside, and yet the world that's inside is the one that's softer, and yet that's what's hardening. And I don't know, there were the crazy little sort of connections and synapses sort of firing with that, but... Um, I have to say,
0: when we bought, uh, when my wife and I bought our first house together, Mm. um, very shortly afterwards, we were broken into and robbed, and there was no violence, they didn't break anything in our house, they didn't trash the place, Um, we weren't there, Uh, we, you know, by all accounts, it was probably the kids in the neighborhood, teenagers in the neighborhood that had figured out the living room window, they could just open it, like, we didn't have a lock on it, we didn't Mm. realize that, and um, waited till we moved in, waited till we left to go to work, and then came in stole my ps2 gamecube couldn't take my tv because it was one of those big crt 400 pound jobs mm-hmm. so like they're not going to get that out the window um bottle of vodka you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. but hearing you describe um your trouble with the burglary and your anxiety afterwards i, I had that exact same thing and my, i know for, i know my wife did as well we we didn't feel comfortable in the house um just sleeping in our bed like we i would constantly get up throughout the night and check the locks and Mm. we would it would it was difficult to go to sleep without maybe having a little couple beers or something to kind of get you you know calm down uh it's so i can see having an experience like that and then going into a game as that can be as encompassing as something like a souls game and kind of getting lost into that Um, that's I think that that brings a lot of heart to your story, and I can always when you talk about this, I always hear you get emotional, and it's it's always genuinely affecting to me. Like it, it gets me when I hear it gets you. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I wanted to. I was I was so happy when you said you'd you do this because I kind of wanted to have this conversation with you. Like I'm, uh, you were you said you were worried about telling the story too much, and I feel like you don't tell it enough. I think you should shout it from the rooftops.
1: <laughs> it's always it's always <clears throat> nice when when people do find their way to it, and that they they. I don't know. They start noticing stuff, and maybe they start clicking with it. And um, you know, it's 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 nice to to think on the one hand that um, maybe the the work of you know all the, all the 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 law hunters, if you will, when uh, Dark Souls was was out, and when they started adding more and more to to the playthroughs that, that I had. If people, I don't know, are going in and just just being more aware of the world around them... because I think that maybe Dark... whereas the original Dark Souls... The, the world is on on the edge of falling apart... and you've got these really resonant characters that are there. Um, dark Souls 2 feels like... the world isn't at that point where it's about to fall apart... but it's done. And while the, the characters maybe aren't there for the most part in Dark Souls 2... I think the story underneath it is bigger Um, but and I think that's what that's what's been interesting for me to kind of get my own takes on it and stuff and um, you know we had Andy Hamilton from Midnight Resistance who saw um, Vendrick as a a vengeful sort of uh, aggressive king and and hearing him give his his take on Vendrick was really interesting because it, it wasn't it wasn't mine but I find it fascinating to see how people process it themselves. And it's the, the joy within all of us as f- of, of fans of talking about this sort of stuff is that um, you get unique perspectives, not just on the builds that people have gone through or the, the troubles that, they, that they've had, but but also those those little instances of of their own where they've connected or they've bounced. And I think that's what makes it nice when we speak to people and then other people start speaking as well and you make new friends and then their friends kind of make new friends and (laughs) that's that's what's been nice for me about this this community because there's a lot of people that I I genuinely think the world of now that I only know through um, through talking on you know on Twitter and uh, and and podcasts and stuff who I genuinely think the world of Um, it's a it's a lovely place to be especially for me like coming from that situation where um last year that there, there was that period of, of of real I don't know how to put it properly but that a crystallization of how little I haven't got of that warmth in in the real um and how and the the, the closeness and, and and fun and uh, just how much I enjoy those conversations, kind of with people that I've I've never actually met for the most part, which is a little sad in a way, but
0: um, a, a real blessing on the other side of it. So, it's the world is a is a weird, spread out place nowadays, and it's the the good example of this is you and I spent a lot of this morning playing with Nintendo's new app Mitomo, and messing around with that. And I logged into um, – my social networks are pretty segregated. Like Facebook is for people that I know and Twitter is for people on the Internet that I know that I've never actually met. There's not a single person I'm having fun with on my Facebook page. Not to say that they're not my friends or anything like that, but a lot of the people that I find that shared closely share my interests. they just don't live around me like they're not Mm -hmm. physically near me again i live in the country like i live in redneck southern america (laughs) like it's not a good place to be if you like video games and are progressive (laughs) it's just not a good place Mm -hmm. and being able to walk into a community of podcasters content creators twitter people whatever whatever words you want to use to describe them and find like open arms right and to find like a bunch of people that are just really excited to talk to you about video games or, and really excited to support you in whatever you do mm. that's that's amazing to me like just to have especially on the internet like I've been on the internet for about 20 years now and it's never been this nice to me Like I, it's, it was almost suspicious at first
1: <laughs> what do you know like bringing out the black and white pictures at a certain point like what's in that bag well let's, well, yeah. let's not focus on that let's just <laughs> oh, share this that.
0: delicious piece of cake <laughs> um so yeah the, the the community around it and it's i mentioned this in a tweet the other day like it's it's real dumb to get upset about video games but this is kind of like my hobby mm. um and i i have a life like i have a job i have a wife i have you know stuff that we go out and do we have family my little sister just had a baby like all of that kind of stuff but like if i'm winding down by myself at home like it's usually something dark souls related. Like I'm recording a podcast that I only ever did because of dark souls. I'm Mm. editing a YouTube video, which I only ever did because of dark souls. And it's, it's dumb to take video games seriously until they're actually very serious to you. Mm. And I don't know. I just, I, it's hard for me to imagine other communities like this exist uh, existing out there. I hope they do. I hope it's not just Dark Souls. Like I hope there's a group of people that care about Destiny as much as I care about Dark Souls. That's not me, <laughs> but mm. I'm glad. I hope that it that exists for somebody.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I
0: mean um, the, the the one thing I I haven't said within
1: uh, kind of the the Dark Souls stuff, I suppose that that, that ties into what you're saying is that um, making friends with Paddy, I guess. Um, We'd joined the uh, the Polygon forums and I met in there um, and we started talking about, about Dark Souls. Um, I'd fallen in love with the UK podcasting scene. Um, there was a passion and honesty in there that I hadn't seen from major sites. I, I, um, Midnight Resistance was the first one. I remember uh, hearing the show on recommendation and really enjoying it hearing them talk about the Wii U and then hear about them talk about Monster Hunter at a point where the Wii U couldn't buy a bit of positive press uh, from the, the big sites who, would, who were only running articles because of the bad sales. Um, and then Midnight Resistance did uh, a six-hour end-of-year show where they covered every single game that was released in the entire year. Um, with Wow. Them, yeah. <laughs> with them, Kane and Rince. And Joypod. They had people from, from all of those. Um, and it was a joy. And then I found, like, Kellen and Rince, and I found Joypod from there. Um, and I just it just gave me a real taste to, to talk about Dark Souls. Um, we got we got a, a forum thread on the Polygon forums that was the first to reach over a thousand posts. And it then spilled into a second thread. So I, I pretty much thought those would be the only people listening. Uh, God, when we put the MP3 up, we put it on Google Drive, and we're surprised when people went, oh, well, we can't, can't, can't download it." And we were like, "Why?" And it's like, "Why well, wouldn't you be able to?" It's, it's been downloaded a few times. And we were like, "Oh." Um, I mean, t- today it still feels because we we tried to we tried to get. Um, uh, metric data on how well we did, and it, bro- <laughs> it broke the podcast. <laughs> nice one, Paddy. But it, yeah, it's, so you know, we we actually don't know how well or how well not we uh, we do. But it still feels like there's only about fifteen to twenty people that listen. But that's fine. You know, we we've got that we've got a, a nice bunch of folks that that chat with us regularly, and even though we're not anywhere near illuminati or anything uh, i do get excited when we feel we've made a good show and you know pad's edited it and i'm using my prestigious talents to knock up
0: daft artwork on microsoft picture at 2000 <laughs> or as now that we've got Mitomo, i'm probably going to do all of our podcast art on Mitomo from now See, on <laughs> that's that's what i like to hear <laughs> um So before this podcast goes on for like four hours, um, the the last modern Souls game that has come out recently is Mm. is Bloodborne. Mm. And uh, I I think you're an interesting case because you're one of the few people I know that didn't really click with Bloodborne to the point where I I still don't think that you've finished it. Is is that correct? Nowhere near. Um, Nowhere near finished it. Um, I remember being really
1: excited when there was a, a GIF that leaked which was taken from a private video, which was then those GIFs were broken apart and then put back together as, as a video. Um, mm-hmm. It looked like the Dark Souls art team. Uh, the internet went bonkers. I think it was somewhere like Reddit or Gaff where people built a hype train and they were reposting, adding their own logos to the hype train <laughs> and like putting it on the train. Um, Bloodborne was eventually confirmed. It was a slow release of hype can you imagine such a thing Um, people really didn't know much but Sony were happy to hold stuff back sort of and there was this sort of wonderful static crackle amidst that and people that had gone dark on it felt that they weren't missing out on too much um, that they were just avoiding you know screenshots and things and uh, just bits about mechanics and it was all very very it was exemplary in the way in the way that it was uh, that it was promoted particularly in in contrast to to what we've had with Dark Souls 3 but um, yeah Paddy and I went to London when we met up we walked across the entire of it to avoid tubes um, <laughs> we made a pact that we wouldn't lig uh, and that every chance we got we'd, we'd play Bloodborne and there was a point where um, the Sony cafeteria had started to Putting out food, and uh, there were drinks at the bar and stuff like that. And the room that we were in, where there was this like little competition after like the presentation and stuff, there were all these sort of TVs and and, and stuff around. But after this competition, it emptied, and there was uh, there was Paddy and I in it, <laughs> still still playing Bloodborne, um, <laughs> and yeah, it was uh, you know there was a uh, a lady called Sarah there who looked after us, who was absolutely lovely with us um and it was it was an ace day the whole day was um was great because again sort of pulling back to the break-in this was a point where I was not only kind of throwing off the shackles of you know being stuck in the house or uh or being stuck at work this was me going on an adventure um and it pulled me out of myself in a big way um it was nice to have fresh, fresh sights. It was good to to see Paddy and have a laugh. It was that Sony were absolutely lovely and not in a way of kind of like, yes, but it's their job. Um, They they were just a joy. They were, they were absolutely fantastic. And um, it, the whole day meant a lot because it, not just because we, we'd had that adventure, but it felt like a first kind of stepping stone on a, on a journey back, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I ended up sort of getting the game and not quite meshing with it, and I couldn't tell you why. And then a few weeks later, Scholar of the First Sin came out, and um, I was like, oh, you know, I, I bought PS4 and Xbox One versions of it um, to
0: for some stupid reason like (laughs) contrast between the two and see which was the best kind of for the audience and stuff because Um, you're like me and you want to you want to own every version of every Dark Souls game that you can get your hands on within reason there is that (laughs) and there is the the collection
1: and stuff but um I just kind of wanted people to know which was the best one to go for and if there were kind of any issues as well so um so yeah I and I started playing Scholar and just loved the changes and um Loved all the stuff that we'll, we'll we'll come to sort of eventually anyway, but um, yeah, I, I just found myself falling falling further and further in, and wanting to spend more time there, um, and it was difficult to to not only balance a desire to to go back to Bloodborne, but everybody had raced away with Bloodborne like to such a degree, it felt like I I was kind of after the fact in in many ways that. I'd be playing catch up, and when I did try and get into it, there was just something that was me throwing myself at a game rather than uh, like meeting it halfway, or rather than meshing with it in the same way as I had with the other games. And this was the point where that you know I was I was falling into scholar in such a such a huge regard. It was you no, know, there was always the the, the feeling that somewhere down the line it, there might be that that sort of Fallout 3 moment where it will be cold one winter or a you know a Christmas time or whatever it was and I'd put it back on it, and be like oh you know we, we, it's it's now serendipitous that um, we've met each other at the right time and now it clicks and I was completely open to that and still am but for some reason I don't know why it is I couldn't tell you it frustrates me a lot because <laughs> but on the other side of that I'm I hope that people understand that there's a sincerity in the podcast and stuff that just because we're doing this and uh people know us for doing this we'll call a die a die. And um in many regards it was quite nice because Paddy veered off one way with Bloodborne and I I veered off the other with, with Scholar and there was a little bit of contrast and you know, it's it's lovely to hear when you when you were saying the things you were about. Finding scholar through some of the stuff that I'd I'd yammered on <laughs> constantly. Um, so thank you very much for that. That's awesome. That's a that's a ramble. I'm sorry.
0: No, that's you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Um, rambling is pretty much what podcasts were built to do. I think. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I think if people spend a lot of time editing and um, producing their podcasts, then I just don't want to listen to it. Like it, it irks me to listen to it for mm-hmm. some reason. I like it when people go on tangents for a long time and get lost and then like oh wait what was I talking about okay let me back up all the way like I like all of that stuff <clears throat> but I guess that's um, I don't really have any more questions uh, that kind of runs us through the, the four games um, I guess real quick like w- out of a scale of 1 to say 10 what's your hype level right now in Dark Souls 3 which as of this recording is about two weeks away
1: every now and again I will contact uh, my friend Gavin Russell on Twitter and just ask him without specifics how much he is enjoying his Japanese downloaded copy of Dark Souls Three, and uh, he has been rather ecstatic about it. And he did. Uh, I asked him again the other night, said so I think he uh, he finished it the other night, and he sent me back the the greatest message, um, which is one of those where you know we were talking about sort of moments in time that you'll never forget. It was one of those for him, and I think it's it's been sort of quite special for him as well. That this is the first time he's been in a soul get soul's game without any interference. You know, with without the law being there or anybody else playing it and stuff. So I think it's been uh, it's been quite special for him, uh, and of himself. But he said that. Uh, um, his family were cheering him on in the final fight, like his his, his <laughs> kids were there and cheering him on. Very and uh, nice. I was saying afterwards I was like, uh, the kids look up and go like, Finally, we have the father we deserve And then his wife his <laughs> wife looks at him and go like, Children, I will be borrowing your father. We may be sometime <laughs> <laughs> I've but, been wanting Papa yeah. to
0: get good for this entire time. Now he's <laughs> finally
1: gotten good. <laughs> but um yeah, and uh I am really excited. I, I don't understand Namco's promotion at all of this, um, but maybe all of this sort of throw it all to uh, at the wall and see what sticks. Maybe this is just me being naive because I look on. I've looked on Twitch at separate points, and there's been between. 11 and 30,000 people watching Twitch stream, one Twitch stream, the top Twitch stream, not counting all the others that have been played at any given time. Uh and if those translate into sales, um then that's that's great, you know, it's it's great to think of that that money going back into Froms coffers at least, but um I can't understand the desire to want to watch something to that degree, rather than experience it yourself, it, it just seems just seems a little bit bonkers.
0: Yeah, I've ranted about this on Twitter quite a bit, and I've ranted quite a bit on podcast about this, and I, I'm not going to go into it all here, but I, I'm exactly with you. I don't understand, mm. especially very specifically, this game. Um, there was a recent story from the developer of a game called That Dragon Cancer, which is like an indie mm. title on PC that involved a um, from my understanding of the game, it's about um, two parents and whose child gets cancer, and mm. then kind of an imagination story through there and dealing with that. And um, they were saying that apparently they had some YouTubers contact them and say, like, you know, I'm getting copyright claims because of the music in the game, and you know, I'm just this is how I make my living is playing games on these YouTube. I, I don't think that that's fair. And um, their letter back was basically, you, you realize like we've gone on streams before and there's 40,000 people watching this game. And that's 40,000 people that aren't going to buy the game. Mm. <laughs> like, and they they were nice enough to remove the copyright claims and to let that, you know, Hey, whatever. We're not going to do that. Just turn the music off or, or what have you. But why would you want to experience something that is personal as something like that dragon cancer or as mysterious as dark souls vicariously? Like, I just don't understand that mindset. It like, I wouldn't I wouldn't want you to read a book and then tell me about it. I wouldn't want you to read a watch a movie and then tell me about it because I just could go experience the thing myself. <laughs> so I there's, don't uh...
1: there's certain sort of caveats I'd say that can affect certain certain things like this like um for example uh, Gadget Girl Kylie does some fantastic uh vita stuff and I think uh, um a portion of her audience might be the sort of people who maybe haven't uh, watching the Sword Art Online playthrough, and uh, either haven't got a Vita or can't afford the game, or uh, or that sort of stuff, or you know want to want to play it along with her. But she's a um, she's a really nice lady and very very passionate within uh, the the streams that that she puts up. So I can see why people would watch those kind of streams so, you know sometimes you you watch to to get a feel for a game as well like see if something's your kind of but you know your kind of thing i guess uh and then play along with the people that you um that you're watching but i don't understand the time frame on this no um, that's that's, and that's I what not understand me. That's what, what kills those me. what those folks are are getting out of it plus you know a lot of those a lot of the the streamers sort of afterwards uh you know, on on day one, where you know, like Epic Bros said, that, <laughs> "What a hero," um, has said that I want to go in with everyone else on on day one, um, and I I don't like to think of the people who I've enjoyed um, having conversations and lore and all this sort of stuff, just having everything tied up before the game comes out and seemingly wanting to talk about Endgame or people knowing about Endgame like before the rest of us have even tickled into it. It just seems it just seems wonky. Um and also I think could be accused of uh
0: instilling a degree of us and them. Absolutely. I've seen it. I've seen a lot more resentment in the Dark Souls community and Keep in mind, I'm a guy that runs probably the filthiest Dark Souls blog that exists mm-hmm. in, the, in the PvP haters blog. But I've seen a lot more resist uh, resentment towards the you know, laughingly called the Upper Souls community or the mm-hmm. Illuminati, as you as you referred referring to them earlier. But like these popular streamers who have access a month earlier than everybody else does for looking at editions of the game that seem perfectly playable and just has to be a business decision to delay the game a month so that it makes numbers for Namco at the right time that they want to make numbers. Hmm. And it's very frustrating. Like, you could literally just flip a Switch and I could be playing this game, but instead you allowed this guy, because he has an audience on Twitch to do it.
1: Well, I was looking and at the, uh, the the time frames between the games, and obviously with Demon's Souls, part of the story there was Sony's reluctance to realize what they'd gotten, even at the point where... Um, it broken out of japan it broken you know really well in uh in the us and still didn't want to to bring it to, to europe so demon souls was um asian february 2009 the us october 2009 uh and the eu june 2010 um dark souls was more or less the same time so it was uh, well japan japan it was september um US was October the 4th, Australia October the 6th, like I say, I think Europe was the same time, sort of there. So Japan did get that a little bit early, but it was still, you know, our little niche title. Um, Dark Souls 2, US March the 11th, Japan the 13th, and uh, PAL Regions the 14th. Uh, Bloodborne, listen to this, America 24th, PAL 25th, Japan 26th, UK 27th. Marvellous. Applaud Sony. Um, and then although scholar march twenty fourth japan uh april twelfth to th- um in the rest of the world and then dark souls three march
0: twenty fourth to april twelfth so that oh that seems pretty similar in that regard but i i guess it does mm. i just and it again i've never really been upset at the at the japanese release being through twenty four mm. it's it's strictly the availability of it's 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 specifically man Net, bamco providing this game to popular streamers with the full release to stream everything. Hmm. And then now, today, I don't know if you've seen this, today they've tried to backtrack and say, okay, nobody can put any videos up between April 1st and April 11th. What? Have you not seen this? This was their announcement today. I saw Northern Lion on, on Twitter talking about this, like how there's going to be a bunch of Dark Souls 3 videos on the, being uploaded today because Namco has now put in a new uh, embargo for the next two weeks. Which is just insane. Like you can't put that genie back in the bottle once it's already out there. Like Wasn't I don't it, understand what they're going to do.
1: Aren't they? Because um, I'm sure GameSpot was saying that their uh, review is Tuesday uh, next week, or that's that's when it was planted. And also, how can these reviews go out? How can people have tied up the game without the online side of things being in
0: there? It's, I, I totally, it's agreed. Seems totally agreed. Totally bizarre. Um, Although from everybody that I know that have played the Japanese version, like the, the online is working great. Like they they've got full server access and really? everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. I've got one guy that's on my Twitter feed that um, he he was telling me he's like, man, I cannot wait to invade you. Like I hope you play on stream <laughs> so I can invade you. <laughs> PvP is so much fun. And um, someone else told me, uh, well, Allison from Dark Souls, from Lego Dark Souls, yeah. uh, she was telling me she was grinding out stuff for. The PvP covenants, because she didn't prefer PvP. She didn't Mm. didn't really like it. She was telling me that during our um, duck spring that we did Mm. last weekend. So, servers are up. You can do stuff. I just... Oh, man. CJ, I don't know. I don't understand it. And in in a way, and I've seen this sentiment from a lot of people, I'm kind of glad that they've said this is the last quote-unquote Souls game. Mm. If that means that this is Dark Souls 3 is going to finish the series and possibly the relationship with Namco Bandai. Because at this point, I could easily see Bloodborne 2 being handled by Sony in a much more professional and gamer-friendly or customer-friendly fashion. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I don't need... I like the comic books. I like the extra stuff that Bamco does sometimes. But a lot of it feels unnecessary and kind of cheap. Like with this whole Prima guide, Mm. Estus Flask BS. Well, you've got the thing over here with the... Um, the Prestige Edition? Oh, yeah, with your four-foot statue that was, they only apparently made four of. <laughs> well, there's,
1: there's 2,000 of them, but it's an Amazon uh, UK exclusive, and it went up at 10.30 in the morning, and I think sold out by 11.10 uh, on a morning where I was work. I would have tried to move heaven and earth just to kind of Eat noodles for four months to <laughs> to to be able to afford that, but um, yeah, there's a there's a part of me that <sighs> sounds daft because pro- probably these statues probably look shit anyway. But um, there's a part of me that's built up like this little collection of uh, of things that are that are special to me, and is kind of going, well, you're not, you can't have that one. So and that then made me look at the next rung down and be like. I don't want you either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I can't have the best, I don't want any of this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so
1: I, d- I don't know where I, I I stand on ordering at the minute, but um, the only the only thing that I I I do know in that regard is that, um, you know, I've got uh, an operation next week, and my uh, my kind of reward on the other side of that is going to be uh, Dark Souls Three, uh, undoubtedly through. The dewyed romantic hues of world class drugs. (laughs) So if you think I fell into scholar, let's see what happens when a part of my back is carved out and uh, my 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 very my very being is filled with uh, a sugary tickle of let's not feel that thing that's going off on your back.
0: I've gone through several surgeries myself, and mm. I, I wish you just the best of luck. Like nowadays, it's it's it, a lot of this stuff is pretty simple, but it's always very scary going under. It's always very scary having someone cut you open, and I I'm, mm. can't imagine what you're going through leading up to this being just absolutely dreading it. So I'm very very hopeful everything goes very smoothly. <laughs> Thank for you. you, that's appreciated. Um, and um, tell people, I guess that will probably close this out. Would, uh, tell people where they can find you on the internet. You can best place to find is is Twitter and i uh, at twin humanities uh will
1: give you a link to all of the shows um which if you want to dive straight to that now if you go to you can go to twinhumanities.com if you want to get straight to the soul stuff but we do a few different shows and if you go to twin humanities nexus uh you can get to to all of them from there and i'm at coffee jesus so that's with a Z uh in the middle or a bolt of lightning. Depending on which way you look at it, with the, um, with the Harry Potter scar in the middle of your name—that's did
0: you why didn't I think of that? I love you, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, give him the old Daniel Radcliffe. Okay. Um, oh my god! I just got totally distracted thinking about Harry Potter for some reason. Is this is is this is this some sort of? Uh, high class kink that you've not really spoken about before. <laughs> Believe me, it's not high class. You see, <laughs> it is pe- low class all the way. You see, people people
1: don't realise that uh, that Jeremy was my co writer in our our much sued uh, pop venture, our Harry Potter erotic Harry Potter <laughs> pop band, <laughs> One Direction. <laughs> It's a terrible joke, and I've told it. I've told it better than that before. It seemed seemed fitting. Erotic pop band. Yeah. I love that. You see, the, the high get out of, th- of
0: my dreams and onto my wand, CJ. <laughs> what
1: are we still talking about Harry Potter? You're hey. going ruin our special Sundays. <laughs> you see, as much as we've had a good natter now, I, I'm making those closing moments
0: crash and burn no no this is this is is excellent this is excellent podcast i love this stuff um uh i guess to finish this out as always i'm at jg greer on twitter and you've been listening to an episode of don't give up skeleton thanks again cj for joining us thank you for having me on bye-bye and we'll see you next time